Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. be back. It's been wonderful to be back in the office this last week and, and to be able to be sharing with the staff and, and making a few phone calls and catching up with people in the life of the church as well. And uh, During the holidays, we had a couple of weeks down at Victor Harbour, which was nice. And then we had a little adventure on the Great Ocean Road. And uh, we went along the Great Ocean Road. And it's been 10 years since we uh, went on the Great Ocean Road with the kids. And we actually, as we were going uh, on the little drive, we realised that we took a photo 10 years ago at the grotto. So this is us 10 years ago at the grotto and uh, with a little little tribe and we're all looking a little bit younger and Michelle had this idea she's like hey we should recreate the photo that seems to be a thing that's happening at the moment and I was like well I don't know how I'm going to hold Ben because he's just a little bit bigger than what he was and I'm not sure if Lucy can just get on my shoulders like she used to you might be okay with Ella there but you know anyway we got down to the grotto and we realised that there's like a nice little kind of, um, you know, bench there. And we're like, okay, we can try and make this work. So this is what we came up with. Uh, this is our recreation uh, of us at the grotto there on the Great Ocean Road. I think, Ben, you could probably hold me now, okay, uh, rather than me trying to hold you. And Lucy did a great job there uh, of using the bench uh, behind us. And you put the two photos together and you can see times are changing, aren't they? You know, you look back, maybe, you know, it's been a while since you've looked back on your life. Maybe 10 years has gone like that. Maybe, you know, even students, you're thinking about going into the year that you're going into, and you're like, how did I get into this year? Like, you know, how did just one year rolls into the next, and then five turns into 10? And trust me, there's a lot of people in the room, there's a lot of people online that have just put a decade together, and they're like, what has happened to those 10 years? And it happens. But sometimes it's good to look back to realise where we are so that we can look forward. It's really important. Sometimes it's good to uh, take check. Sometimes it's good to have some perspective. Sometimes it's good to focus, Uh, not just in life, because when I look at that photo, I go, wow, where's those 10 years go? Uh, Next week, I'll be 42. I go, how? I still feel like I'm a kid in so many areas of my life, and yet, uh, you know, clearly I'm, uh, you know, a middle-aged adult now. And it's just a scary time of life, you know, to be thinking about that. And we all just keep putting these years into the future, and you look back and you go, oh, gee, maybe it's been a while since I've, you know, reviewed some things or had a look at some things. And it's really important to do that. Uh, really important from a perspective check uh, to do that. And it's important that we do that in our relationship with God, that we have these regular times that we, uh, we bring into focus. Maybe we look back to find out where we are so we can look forward to have some perspective. And one thing that I do in, in uh, holidays and particularly at the start of the year, I say, Lord, have you got a word in season uh, for me? Have you got a word as I reflect back on the last year and look uh, where we are now and look into what this next year will bring. Have you got a word for me? Have you got something that you want to deposit into me? And I wonder if um, that's something that you do, that you take regular time in your relationship with God to focus and to take check and to have some time to see God's perspective on things. And what's interesting is leading up to Christmas, uh, I had an email from a friend uh, who's in uh, ministry uh, in uh, Victoria, and uh, uh, she sent an email to us, and it was just a really encouraging email. I wanted to read it out to you today. And uh, she says this, her name's uh, Chris, and she says these words. She says, I was praying for you in Clovercrest this week and thought I would share what I felt God was saying for you and the church. Like, just 
how encouraging is it when someone sends you a note and says, hey, I was praying for you this week. I was, you know, God led you into my heart and into my mind and I took time out of my schedule to pray. I was really encouraged. Whatever comes next, I was so encouraged that Christine was praying for us and for the church. She goes on to say, you have such a strong heart to bless your community around you, to be effective in mission and see people encounter God and have their lives changed. And as you celebrate Christmas, there's a strong sense of God's joy poured out over all of you, which is great. And we really experienced that over that Christmas season. There's a strong encouragement to rest and be restored. Let go completely of carrying the plans for next year and fully engage in rest and restoration from God. She goes on to say, as I continued to pray, the next image was of inside your church and then the image broadened to see the whole community and the heart for mission that you have. There's a strong challenge to hear God's heart and the focus of your mission so that rather than one or two people attempt to do mission in particular areas, you have a sharper focus and create teams that have incarnational mission into particular neighborhoods and networks to bring Jesus to them. The key words that came were sharper focus and cohesive teams. I was so encouraged to receive an email like that. I get a lot of emails, some really encouraging all the way through to some that not so much. And to receive an email like that from Chris was just so encouraging for her to hear from God and and to give to me and to us as a community to experience God's rest and restoration and to have a sharper focus for mission. And not just ones or twos, but cohesive teams to do that. I was so encouraged by that. It's a real affirmation for us as a community of faith to continue to experience God, create community and reach beyond together. And in 2022, we have so much gospel opportunity to step into. When you think about the God-sized dream that we've been praying into and been working away at, when you think about uh, the fact that God has asked us to engage in one church many gatherings and then Gawler Baptist Church in the north has approached us uh, with an opportunity for revitalization and we're in conversations now about what that might mean and look like and we'll come back to you uh, in more time around that. That's a God thing. He's brought it into our path for us to step into, which is an incredible thing. There's a real vacuum of leaders in a number of different sectors in our society and particularly in church-based ministry. And God has spoken to us as a church to actually step in and play our role and do what we can with what we've got to develop leaders into the next generation and beyond. And that's going to be something that we move more into this year, which is really, really exciting. There's some roles that are available in the life of the church at the moment. John and Kay Flack have indicated that this will be their last year in Pathway and we'll be looking at succession planning and what does it look like to future-proof the wonderful work that they've done over the last decade in Pathway. There are so many exciting things for us to be stepping into in the life of the church and we go with his time and we go with his leading. So over the summer, I sat with this email and a number of times I felt like God just bring me back to this place of, he just said, Mike, rest and restoration. Rest and restoration. Rest in me. Don't jump ahead. Uh, don't try and uh, move too quickly on things. Just rest and be restored. And probably three or four times in prayer, God brought me back to this importance of resting in him and being restored for the things that he has for me and for us as a church family. And then he brought this word to me, as I mentioned earlier, about praying for a word in season. He said, Mike, the word for you in 2022 is patience, is patience. 
Be patient in my timing for the things that I have for you and in the life of the church. Embrace both the challenges and the opportunities with my leading. And it says in Psalm 37, 7, it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So if you were to come before the Lord now, maybe you already have this year, if there was a word that God was going to deposit into your heart and into your mind, into your life, which was a a guiding light uh, for you as you move into this year, I wonder what it would be. Even now, just ask the Lord. Say, Lord, what is a word in season for me? Because as God speaks to us, we need to be so aware of what he's saying, but then have the courage to implement that into our lives. There's this famous experiment uh, by a guy called Stephen Covey. You might have heard of him a couple of decades ago. He wrote this book around the seven practices, I think it was, of the highly effective living. And Anyway, there's this experiment that he, he talks about uh, where he talks uh, about if you had some uh, big rocks, some little rocks, sand and a container, how would you fill the container? And he talks about it in his book. He says, well, you could put the sand in. Uh, You could fill up with the sand and then you could put some little rocks in. But then how do you shove the big rocks in? It's a bit tricky if you go about it that way. He says, that's not actually the way you fill the container. Uh, The way you fill the container is you start with the big rocks. The big rocks, they go in first. And then you put the little rocks in. And then you tip the sand in and the sand moves through all the gaps into the bottom of the container and then it fills it up. And he makes this point. He says, in our lives, he says, the big rocks have to go first. It's so important that the big rocks go first. And the big rocks for us as followers of Jesus are the things that are important to Jesus. And the words and, and, and the scripture that he gives us, that guides us and sends us into our lives. And over this January, we've been praying and preaching into uh, these, uh, this series, which has been, you know, words in season. And we've been essentially, it's like we've been putting the big rocks in first. As we've started this year, we've asked the preachers to go and pray and to bring in a word in season that they believe God has deposited into them through scripture and prayer into our community. And Roger brought this wonderful word around genuine love and unity at the start of the year. And Dave Hall uh, preached into going deeper. And what does it mean to take steps in our faith to go deeper? Pastor Luke talked about uh, how God's got your back. And I know that was significant to some because they told me about it when I got back into the office. And last week, Dave Shep, he uh, spoke to us about the posture of prayer. And these are like words in season. These are like big rocks that you put into your container first. Things that are important for us as we get started into our year. And I've got one last word for us as we uh, move um, from this series into next week, we'll be starting a series around restore. But the last word in season for us is the word engage. Engage. How do we be people who engage with God, engage with ourselves and engage with others on mission? And this word engage, I think, is a word in season for us in a time where so many of us are struggling with the concept of retreating to actually step forward and engage. Engage with God with ourselves and with others. So if you've got your Bibles or your phones, let's turn to Philippians 4, and we're going to explore what it looks like to engage with the living God and to live out our faith. Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9. 
Paul says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Verse 9. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So in this passage, God, uh, in this passage, Paul is uh, really calling the, the church in Philippi here and us as well today to engage with God, engage with ourselves and to engage with others as we follow Jesus. So what does it look like to engage with God? Well, Paul says here in verses four to eight that he says engaging with God through rejoicing and through prayer, through rejoicing and through prayer. He says in verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. And this word rejoice actually translate out to mean celebrate, to, to celebrate in the Lord. And theologian N.T. Wright, he says, celebrating Jesus as Lord encourages and strengthens loyalty and obedience to him. Who likes a celebration? Hands up. Who likes a celebration? You might want to drop it in the chat online. Thumbs up. A lot of us enjoy a celebration. Michelle and I celebrated 20 years of marriage last December. That was exciting. And 20 years ago, we were married actually in this church. And when our pastor said, we're husband and wife, uh, the bridal party all pulled out party poppers and popped them. We celebrated it. It was great. It was a real celebration of us, you know, becoming married and beginning an adventure of life and faith together. A really cool thing. But, you know, celebrating all that God is doing in our lives, that's even kind of next level to any kind of fun, earthly celebration that you can think about. And when I think about the things to celebrate, the things to rejoice about what God has been doing in the life of Clovey over recent times, there are so many wonderful things. You know, last year we had 40 people put their trust in Jesus for the first time. Isn't that worth celebrating? Come on, church, that's worth celebrating. That's people going from darkness to light. That's people putting their trust and their hope in the living God. There's a party in heaven with people saying yes to Jesus, which is wonderful. We had 21 people baptized last year. That's worth celebrating, isn't it? Like, praise God. People from all different ages and stages being baptized, going through the waters of baptism, going public in their faith and going in an obedience in the way of Jesus. It's a wonderful thing to celebrate. Last year, we gave out over 70 Bibles to people in the community who are exploring faith. I don't know about you, but that, I think that's worth celebrating as well. That's wonderful that God is drawing people to himself. And if you're curious to know, is God still drawing people to himself? Well, just last week, two people came into the cafe, they grabbed coffee, and they said, oh, can we grab a Bible on the way out? Sure thing you can. Yeah, definitely, you can do that. And Phil uh, is doing a wonderful job in the cafe, leading the cafe, and we're starting to see a lot more gospel conversations beginning to emerge as uh, Phil's been consistent over time in his leadership and in the way that uh, they're sharing faith in that environment. There is so much to rejoice in the Lord always, and again I'll say rejoice when we're walking and when we're living with God. 
And as we engage with God through rejoicing and celebrating, we also do it through prayer. In verse 6 and 7, Paul says this. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And Michelle, being led by God today, just saying, put your worship higher than your worry. There are so many things that we can be anxious about. So many things that we can just drift our anxiety into. But Paul is saying, don't be anxious. Go to God. Go to God with prayer and with thanksgiving and let God's peace fill you from the inside out. And let God's peace drive you forward and shape you. And such important words during these difficult times. I love one of the things that Dave Shepard said last week when he said, the purpose of prayer is not to get something but to be with someone. Not to get something, but to be with someone. I don't know if that spoke to you, but again, just talking about the the importance of intimacy and connection with God and being with Him in a deepening relationship. And so very important that we're people who engage with the living God. It's also important that we engage with ourselves that we engage with ourselves. In verse eight, Paul says this. He says, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He wants us to think about these things that are good for us. So often our mind can drift into things that aren't that great. But he's asking us to think about these things, dwell on them, let them shape you from the inside out. You know, there was this um, National Science Foundation research that was published a few years ago that said that we have between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts per day. Just consider that with a few of your thoughts. Between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts per day. That's an incredible amount of just things that fire in and out of our brain. Now, I'm not asking you to disclose with me today some of the things that fire in and out of your brain. Even in the last 10 minutes, you know, there's hundreds of things that have just been going in and out and just been going, you know, snapping off in different ways. But you know what this research also showed? It showed that 80% of those thoughts are negative thoughts. 20% of our thoughts are positive ones. And 95% of our thoughts are repetitive from the day before. That's crazy, right? Like you think about that. You think about the repetitive nature of the thoughts that are coming into your head. And you might just just be, you know, the Holy Spirit might be illuminating for you right now. Some of the thoughts that come in that you go, oh yeah, I've been thinking that for years. It's just a thought that comes into my head every day. It doesn't make sense. I don't really know about it, but it's, it's shaping me because I think about it a lot. 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. 95% of those thoughts are the thoughts that you had from the day before, which means you had them from the day before and the day before that. What are you thinking about? What are you dwelling on? What are you allowing to shape you? Pastor Craig Rochelle has written this book called Winning the War of Your Mind. Winning the War of Your Mind. And he says, uh, a quote in this book, he says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Who you are today 
is the result of your thoughts from the past. Uh, who you will become in the future will reflect what you think about today. It's time to change your thinking so that God can change your life. Now, what I want to say is what you, what I think about really matters. It really matters what you think about because the way that our brains sort of are, are wired here is that you're going to think about it again and then you're going to think about it again and then you're going to think about it again and then you might actually believe it to be true even if it's a big fat lie. So what does Paul say? Well, he says actually to the church in Rome as well, Romans 12, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what we think about really matters. And if we're going to engage with ourselves we need to heed Paul's words here where he says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let's not be thinking about the daily cases of COVID because where's that thought going to lead us? It's just going to lead us to want to see it the next day. It's going to lead us to want to think about what that means. And then we put that into our narrative. And then that can actually breed fear and anxiety. God wants to lift our thinking. He wants to lift our thinking into his ways. Now, I think it's extremely important to be wise, uh, particularly at this time with the COVID cases being high. And we've delayed and postponed a number of things here at church out of a posture of wisdom. But if wisdom turns into fear, that's where I think we have an issue. And if the thoughts that you're thinking are pushing you more and more into a fearful place or a retreating place, then we need to look at that. Because Paul also says to Timothy, he says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and in the NIV, it's of self-control. In the King James Version, it's of a sound mind. God's given us his spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. So the challenge for us, if we're going to engage with ourselves, is to be really honest about where we're at. As we hold up that mirror, have that honesty. Am I feeding my day-to-day thoughts with things that are actually taking me down a place of fear and anxiety? Or am I engaging in higher things that God has for me? Still living with wisdom, yes. But am I going into a place where God is moving me more and more into the things that he has in and through my life? So let me ask you, as we begin this new year, what do you let your mind dwell on? What are your recurring thoughts? And are those thoughts leading you into a place of a stronger, more vibrant and healthy faith? What do you watch? Whose voice do you listen to that shapes your thinking? So important. From what media you're accessing to what TV shows you're you're watching. What's shaping the narrative of your mind? 
And how is God asking you to engage with him so that you are continually renewing your mind and knowing what his will is for your life? Because this is kingdom living. I've just pulled us up a level today. And this is the way of the kingdom. To live in a way where we think about the things that God has for us. So to engage with God, to engage with ourselves, but then also to engage with others. Verse 9 says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So now it's time to live some things out, to practice godly living. Paul essentially is the, the ultimate practical theologian in this instance, because he's telling you to think about godly things and then practice them. And that's what practical theology is all about, hearing God and acting on that. Theory, practice, listening, doing. This is what Paul is challenging the church of Philippians here to do. It's a wonderful thing. It's beautiful. And this involves doing life with others, learning from those a little bit further down the road in faith and life, following the examples of those that have gone before us, some that you know in person, some that you read about in biographies and, and other ways that you get encouraged and challenged in your faith by watching and learning and living out our faith together as we participate in the mission of God. And the Philippian church knew Paul as a man who had met Jesus and his life had been radically changed. They knew him as a church planter. He planted the church in Philippi in Acts 16. You can read a little bit more about that there. To, him, uh, to them, he was a spiritual father. He was a bold speaker. He was a man who suffered much for the gospel and he'd just about do anything to introduce people to Jesus. That's who they knew him to be. And they would have seen this in him, but they would have also heard stories of him through other faith communities as he went about his missionary journey, his missionary journeys. So let me ask you, who is in your life that you're engaging and learning from? Who are you doing life with that you're engaging and learning from? And let me flip that round. Whose life are you in? where you're depositing faith and depositing life into another. Because Paul's pretty clear here. He wants us to be a people who engage with God, engage with ourselves, and engage with others. And what's the result of this? Well, he says in verse 9, the God of peace will be with us. And this is one thing I think many Many people in our church and in our society at large are really looking for right now is peace, God's peace, God's shalom, not the absence of conflict, but the restoration and the thriving of all things. And this is a gift that God gives to us. But do you know what the most beautiful thing is, church? As we engage with God honestly, as we engage with ourselves vulnerably, and as we engage with others in the mission of God, we carry God's peace. We carry his peace. We can be a people who give his peace to others in these uncertain times. But it does take us 
to a place where we need to step towards God because we can't do that on our own. If the last two years have taught us anything, we can't do that on our own. It comes from a place of surrender, a place of surrender before the living God and say, God, desperately, we ask for your peace in our lives. But we also ask that we'll be carriers of your peace to those around us, that we would honestly and openly and vulnerably be able to share your love with others. So Clovey, I believe that God is asking us at the start of this year, a word in season, to step towards Jesus, to engage with the living God, not to be passive, but to be active in how we engage with God, how we engage with ourselves and how we engage with others as we participate in the mission of God. To give God our fear and our anxiety and our worry and our concern and live with wisdom, knowing that God's peace is in us and we pass that peace on to others. So as we pull things to a close today, I have two questions for you. The first one is, what would God's word in season be for you as you start this year? What is God speaking into your life that is foundational in terms of how you will think, how you will speak and how you will act as we go into this year? What would be God's word for you? His word, His phrase for you this year. And what's your next step in engaging with God in 2022? What's your next step? Paul is the practical theologian. It can't just be theory. It needs to be bedded into practice. It can't just be a concept or information or an idea. It needs to mean something in our everyday lives. So what's your next step? Just take a moment before the Lord. Just ask Him now.